Good morning. Uh, we'll be in First Peter. Finish off chapter one. We'll get a few verses in the chapter two here this morning. Welcome. Uh, by way of announcements, uh, tonight we'll uh, be in uh, the Song of Solomon. I'm very appreciative of our online uh, audience. Uh, you know, speaking to a few couples Sunday night, now uh, the downloads are into the hundreds, and uh, we're very excited about that. And I always think, like, you know, I think Satan was trying to decimate the church, and it's fallen out to the increase thereof. And I, I think it's like, you know, Satan had a plan, God had a plan. Gee, I wonder who will win. Well, we know how that always ends up, and we thank God for that. Thank God for all you checking out, and I'm hoping it's a real benefit to your marriage. Tonight we'll be in, um, like I said, Song of Solomon. We'll also be in Ephesians chapter 5. Um, <clears throat> you know, it has, there's a lot to say about marriage there. And, uh, you know, it's one of our favorite chapters of the Bible, and uh, I think it's got a lot of insightful things. So we're really loaded for bear on the horizontal here uh, tonight. So I, I um, you know, I hope you'll join us. Uh, the other thing I want to say is like, so uh, I'm told that like while I'm broadcasting, you know, there's a lot of talk on on uh, Facebook and that's fine. If you have any questions, because you know I'm not, as I'm teaching the Bible, I'm not reading Facebook. I don't have a computer open or an iPad open in front of me here. If you really uh, have questions or something that want to get, you want them answered, I won't answer them live. I've, I've got some, you know, prepared remarks, but if you, you know, send in, and you can make it as anonymous as you want, um, I wouldn't read your name on, you know, over broadcast anyway, but if you have any questions, I'd be happy to answer them, because it would take a week, but that's fine. Uh, you can email at, to uh, info at plowboyministries.org, and I would get you questions, and I would, uh, like I say, I would go ahead and address them. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about is the financial uh, state of the church. Things are pretty bleak in a lot of churches. It seems to me that Christians think if they're downloading free content, then we don't have an electric bill to pay or or whatever. Um, I'm not I'm not going to be on you, but just remind you, uh, you know, there's still bills to be paid. We're coming to the end of our mortgage this year, and I don't think I can overstate, it's it's pretty bleak. It was bleak when we were still meeting. It was, you know, trending bad. And a few people have been faithful online, but not too many. And I'm not nerved up. I, you know, God will do what God does. And our faith, I hope, our confidence is Him. But I, I just, I just want to say, you know, you probably ought to be faithful. Now, I just want to make one caveat here. If you're tuning in and you're not of this fellowship, I am not asking you for anything. If God moves on your heart, do what God says. I would never, you know, advocate any different than that, but I'm not asking for anything. Just, I, I just expect the people of God to be faithful. The people who call this their home church, I expect them to be faithful to the things of the Lord. That's all I'm saying. Okay, we'll be in First Peter uh tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and read. I'll start in chapter 1, verse 18. I'll read chapter, start in chapter 2, the first three verses, and that will be our portion here this morning. I'll, I'll read, then I'll pray. Okay, First Peter, chapter 1, vo- verse 18. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, seeing that you love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. 
For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Wherefore, laying aside all malice, and all guile, and hypocrisies, and envies, and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby, if so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we pray that you would bless to our hearts your word and you would drive home the points that you'd like to make in our spirits here this morning, that you would perfect us, grow us more like Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Now, I think uh, last week we actually finished verse 19, and I kind of started reading in verse uh, 18, just kind of by way of context. You, were redeemed with, uh, you weren't redeemed with corruptible things, like silver, like gold. Uh, you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And I remember making the point, you know, as we read in Leviticus, that every time someone would bring a lamb because they sinned, that the the, the priest would examine the lamb. He would never examine the worshiper. It was a foregone conclusion that he'd find spot there because that's why he's bringing the lamb. But Jesus Christ is the lamb without blemish and without spot. To wit, he, was, he had never sinned. Uh, verse 40, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times to you. Manifest means to be revealed. Now, uh, Jesus Christ, that precious lamb, foreordained from the foundation, before the foundation of the world, but now revealed in these last times few. There's a lot there. One, are we living in the last times? Yes. But so was Peter. The last times are a long time, about 2,000 years. Are we in the last of the last times? Listen, I'm, eating, I'm talking to an empty church. Uh Viruses, was that something that Christ said? Well, the word was pestilence he used. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can Christ come at any time? Well, he always could. Uh, is he coming very soon? I would just get my house in order. I, I certainly would. Um, that doesn't mean stock up on toilet tissue. That means spiritually get my house in order. And toilet tissue, that's fine. I'm not suggesting otherwise. Get the things that you need uh, you know, live life, that's fine, but spiritually, the, the, the important things, get that in order. Jesus come back pretty soon. We're in, the, we're in the last time. He was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but he was revealed in these last times. Revealed to who? Uh, revealed in these last times for you. Back in chapter 1, verse 10, remember? Uh, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently. They prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Verse 11, searching what? Or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. They're, they're searching. They're trying to figure some stuff out. Verse 12, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel. Look at the end of the verse. Um, these things that were sent down from heaven, which things the angels desired to look into. Do the angels understand these things? No, they're, they're written for you. And now here he goes back into, he was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest, revealed in these last times for you. Did the recipients of the gospel receive the gospel? Well, what do you think? And let's keep tracking on this. Who by him do believe in God, uh, mission accomplished. And we believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Okay, this is what you got to understand about Jesus. He was a precious lamb of God, right, that redeemed us with his blood, means death. He was without spot and blemish, we get that. From the foundation of the world, it was foreordained that he should do this, that he should die, shed his blood to redeem us. Did he? Yes. And now he's dead. Well, 
he died for our sins, but who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory. Is the, is the resurrection significant? Oh, absolutely. We don't worship a dead Savior. Uh, I always liken this to, you know, when the high priest went into the Holy of Holies on Yom Kippur, not without blood, and then he would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. Well, here I am in that solemn throng. I had a real bad year. Would God accept the sacrifice for our sin? You know, they would tie a rope onto the high priest. They'd have to haul him on out of there if he didn't do the right if he didn't follow the ceremony that was preordained. Everyone thinks it's like, you know, one goat gets killed that day. There's 70 sacrifices, there's cleansings and purifications, and there's prayers that are said. There's a lot of things. Uh, and so here I am outside just thinking, gee, I hope uh, God uh, takes this sacrifice, because like I say, I had a really bad year. When the priest emerges out of the Holy of Holies, I'd say, whew, it must be very scary to be in there. Have in the very presence of God. Have people tipped over before, just offering their sacrifice, and all of a sudden God struck them down. Well, think of Nadab and Abihu. You know, there's there's times when God's holiness was manifest on a person to the point of death. You think of uh, Yuza uh, in the procession when they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem on an ox cart, and it toppled. And Yuza put forth his hand to steady it, and God struck him dead. I think it would be a very scary thing at that time to be in the presence of the Lord. Well, the priest comes out, the high priest, and I'm sure he breathes a sigh of relief. And I think it, 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 it's obvious to the crowd that God accepted the sacrifice. And me as a penitent, as a, as a sinner who is looking for God's forgiveness, the emergence of the high priest, would signal to me that God accepted the, the sacrifice, the penalty. And I think the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead signals that exact thing. So Jesus appeared in heaven with his precious blood to atone for our sins. Our high priest, on his Yom Kippur, if you will, sacrificing, giving, giving God the, the, the blood of sprinkling on the altar, the heavenly altar, did God accept the sacrifice? Well, Jesus Christ's resurrection from the dead is a resounding yes. And that's what every time I read about, like, you know, resurrection, and, and so that it has to do with our salvation, I always think in these terms. Who by him do believe in God, so we believe in God through Jesus Christ, that raised him up from the dead and gave him Glory. So his resurrection is it resounds to his glory, to his fame, to his prominence. I don't know how many people you know who just said, Oh, I'm tired of this death thing and just got up and walked out of the grave. Jesus Christ does that to his glory and to his honor. And death can't hold him. And that we'll be celebrating that in a couple of weeks in res on Resurrection Sunday. Boy, I'm hoping people will be back in church by that time. We'll see. Uh, you should pray to that end. Um, the, and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Um, a lot can be said there, but it, just let's leave it right there. Your faith, your hope is in God. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, now, there's a lot here. Let's break it down. You've purified your souls in obeying the truth. So, basically, if you do all the do's and don't do any of the don'ts, that equals salvation. No. No, not at all. You were redeemed, not with corruptible things, as silver or gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from the fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. That equals your salvation. Uh who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead. It's not how you behave, it's what you believe and who you believe in, that your faith and hope might be in God. That's how you've purified your souls in obeying the truth. Obeying the truth uh, is the idea of a come to an understanding of what Jesus Christ has done for my sins. When uh, 
Jesus was asked, what's the will of God? And he would say, well, the will of God is to believe in him who, who God has sent, speaking of his, his self. You know, I think it's probably in Acts, you remember Paul and, Paul and Silas in the Philippian jail? And they're singing and praising God and after having been beaten in the day. And the place rocks and the doors spring open. And the Philippian jailer thinks, oh, this is, my name is Mud. I, I'm going to kill myself. Everyone's escaped. I got to serve all their sentences. Some of those people would be in it for life. He would never see the light of day again. He would be in jail for the rest of his life. So he said, might as well end it right now. And Paul and Silas see this and say, don't harm yourself. We, we, we're, nobody's gone. We're right here. And this is enough for him. And he, he understands what's going on. And he says to them, what must I do to be saved? And the answer is, the answer. The greatest evangelist of all time said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. So it's belief in Jesus Christ. That's what we're looking at, how we purify our souls. And by the way, let me, let me put this in a little more contemporary English. Uh, Susan's always teasing me. You know, she says, you got you got a two-part. you got to take it from Old English up to New English, and then you got to teach what it says. And I'm thinking, like, yeah, she's right, but I'm a dinosaur, and I, I'm kind of married to the King James. So, I don't know, maybe someday I'll change. I don't know. Seeing you have purified or cleansed your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned means genuine. And I, but a lot of you know that. Um, unto genuine love of the Spirit, seeing that ye love one another with pure heart fervently. And that fervent means just earnestly. Let me read it again, kind of change out a few words. Seeing that you have cleansed your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto genuine love of the brethren, See that ye love one another with a pure heart earnestly. So you've purified your souls in obeying the truth. In other words, coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the rest of the passage, the rest of the chapter will say that. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. You've purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit. Spirit of God draws us. The Spirit of God woos us calls us. Can we get saved apart from the Spirit of God? It's a spiritual birth. I don't see how. I don't see a verse that would tell us that, you know, in and of our own selves, just our own gumption. Well, I decided, Adam, I decided to get saved. I, I, I did too. I did too. Um, what part of that was the Spirit moving in my heart to get me to desire what, what part of that was me selecting? Uh, well, see, every time you think in these terms, it gets really murky and stuff. Um, I'm sure in my own mind that my will wasn't violated. But I think God, the Spirit of God, moving in my heart, made my will compatible with His. And I think it that way because I was a pervert. I was a sinful, wicked I say pervert, I probably shouldn't say that. Now everyone's going to think, oh my goodness, what? I was sin sick. I was, I, I was depraved. My whole life was about me. I was a selfish jerk. I, I didn't regard God. He wasn't part of my decisions. When I called out to him for salvation, I'd heard the gospel. I said, this makes sense. This is good. And I'd always believed in hell. And I kind of felt like I, I was going. Because I believed in like, like you believe. Like, I'm, it's like you. Before you got saved like you believed. I believed that, you know, heaven was a, was a you did a lot of good things, religious things. And, you, and if you did enough of them, you go to heaven. But if you didn't, if you, your life was involved with sin and depravity and wickedness, then you'd go to hell. And I always believed in God, and I always believed in heaven, I always believed in hell, and I think I was going to hell. I mean, in my own mind, I think, uh, I didn't do enough good things, and I'm, my life is characterized by bad things all the time. So, for me to change over from one to the other, what part, how, how much was the Spirit of God involved? I don't, I don't know that. I don't know that. 
I, I did it. I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. In the flesh, I moved in a spiritual direction, and that doesn't even make sense, does it? No, the, the Spirit of God is active. He's alive in our conscience, in our heart, in our motives. I, and to what degree? Again, I, I don't want to say, like, I got saved to death. I was just walking along fat, dumb, and happy, and God said, you're saved, and that's all there is to it. I, 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 I want to give God the glory. I, I definitely want to do that. God moved in my heart to save me. But I, oh, I've always thought that the whosoever will means whosoever will. So, I, I, you know, every time we talk about foreordination and the will of God and select and, uh, you know, you can get like chasing your tail around if you think it all the way through sometimes. God saved me. It wasn't against His will. He chose me. The, the, the Bible's clear on these things. So I had nothing to do with it? No, I, I was whosoever will. And those things dovetail nicely somehow in the mind of God. Me? This is what you get. Let's keep moving. <laughs> Seeing you have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit, resulting in unto unfeigned love of the brethren. Now, when Jesus was asked what the great commandment was, he was saying, love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Here it skips the first part. It's not talking about loving God, but it does mention unto unfeigned love of the brethren. How do you know if you're saved? You have unfeigned, genuine, real deal, absolute love for the for the for the family of God. And I think that's such a an obvious in my mind anyway, such an obvious because I, I tell you again, I remember before I was saved, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't love the brethren. I didn't care about the brethren. I told people to go to hell, and I meant it. I didn't. I wasn't a loving person. My life wasn't characterized by love. My life was characterized by love of me, and and I had friends and I had acquaintances. I was even married, but that was all about self-serving. My Acquaintance, my friends were how they could benefit me. If they were cool to hang around with, if they were fun, if they were entertaining, if they were my friends, my wife, my this, my that. Um, and my whole life was about me. So I got saved, and all of a sudden I started caring about other people. I care about people who I've never met if they go to heaven or hell. Um, like you, probably. Like many of you. We give money to mission agencies towards people I will never see or never meet this side of heaven. Why? Why Why do I care? Why do we care if they... Um, because the Spirit of God, the Spirit of love came into our hearts and has infected us in such a way that we're never going to be happy going back to that selfish way that we used to be. If you can sit there and... and look, at, there's nobody here. I'm not asking for a show of hands, obviously. You can in your heart of hearts say, I really don't love anybody. I'm really not a loving person. I really don't care about people. I'd, if that was me, I'd really concern myself with, am I saved? I'd really ask the hard question there. It's such a, a characterization of the Christian. Um, Jesus said, this is how they'll know you, my disciple, the love ye have one for another. You know, I want to be doctrinally correct, but he didn't say... This is how they'll know you, my children. Pure doctrine, pure, unadulterated. If you, have the re if you really know what the Bible says, I think a lot of the Pharisees knew what the Bible says and could quote large portions of it. But there's a difference between knowing things in your head and knowing things in your heart. And I think the Spirit of God moves things from head knowledge to heart knowledge. And, and the result is unfeigned love. You can't fake it. Um... You know, I think, you know, sometimes you can for a while, but out of the abundance of the heart, you know, the mouth speaks. What's, what's in here will eventually come out here. You can, for a little while, you can be a poser. You can act like, oh, no, no, I'm the real deal. I love God and I love everybody else. But I think eventually it'll come out. And, and listen, you, you know you. If you're really not a loving person, and I, I get this too, because I talk to people, and 
and would challenge them on this. And I had somebody come to me and say, oh, I'm a very loving person, like, <laughs> like you've got to convince me. Well, who do you love? Well, I love, my, I love my spouse, and I love my children, and I love my grandchildren, and I love my brothers and sisters, and I love my parents, and I love... Is there anyone in that list who you're not related to? I'm thinking like... Because it's talking about the brethren, about the family of God. And by the way, we've talked about this. This isn't the first time I've ever brought this up. If your family is more important than the family of God, I think you've got some misplaced ideas there. Now, hopefully, those are, are the same thing. And, you know, um, you know, Mama Bear, she's thinking like, oh, i got to protect my cubs. And I get that. God put that in your heart. You've got to protect them eternally and leading, lead them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, first and foremost. So that's the way you can protect them the best. Uh, but if it's all about your family, you know, even when I was a heathen, I, I loved my mom and my dad. I, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't think that's, I don't think that's the proof positive. So do you love the brethren and sister, and I mean, it's a, we're talking about the family of God with the genuine, real, real deal love fervently, with a pure heart, earnestly, fervently. Okay, verse 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but, by, of, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the God, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Okay, being born again, uh, I said a couple of weeks ago when we first started this blessed epistle, I mentioned. Look at um, verse three: "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath." begotten us again read here born again if just being born again was in john 3 3 maybe it would be suspect but it's sprinkled out throughout the whole new testament here's another place being born again um it's amazing to me how many churches do not involve itself with being born again at all uh they talk about us uh what are you one of those reborn christians i don't know why they say it like that it's it's amazing to me. Like one of them, like those exotic, weird varieties that aren't the mainstream or aren't the norm. No, we're not the mainstream, but we're the true according to Jesus Christ. I remember when I was saved uh, and I was debating with my mom. And by the way, I don't think it's ever a good idea. If they ask, you can tell them. If you want to share the gospel, that's fine. Debate? Eh. Once temperatures start mounting, intellect goes out the window. Follow, follow God, but I, as I follow God, I don't think there's ever a place where I'm, if I'm red-faced with rage shouting at somebody, the Spirit's not leading in that situation. But I remember one time I asked him, and I wasn't being flippant or arrogant, or I wasn't red-faced with rage. I said, what about being born again? You know, the Bible clearly says. And... She goes on to say, well, it says being born of water and of the Spirit. Mom, being a Catholic, said, well, being born of the water, that's Christian baptism, and being born of the Spirit, that's confirmation. In um, Catholic circles, they have this thing called confirmation. It's kind of semi-similar to bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah, if you're a lady in the Jewish faith. When you come of age, they kind of, okay, now you're an adult. Well, I don't think it really means that in Catholicism, but it's the closest that any anyone has who's not Jewish. We don't confer adulthood on our children. I, I think it's a mistake, by the way, and I don't know that we need to have bar mitzvah or confirmation. But the teaching is that's when the, that's when the Spirit of God comes to live on you when you're confirmed. What, what verse in the Bible says that? And I, when she said that, I was like, what? How do you get that out of that? you got to remember, he's talking to a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus, when he says, born of the water and of the Spirit, Nicodemus would say, oh yeah, Christian baptism and Catholic confirmation. He would say that, right? Listen, I might even give you a baptism. You remember 
Jesus' cousin is John the Baptist. So baptism happened at this time. But if you think that Nicodemus would come away with, oh yeah, when Catholicism happens in millennia from now, and they have this thing called confirmation, it's one of the sacraments of the Catholic Church, then that's what has to happen for somebody to go to heaven. Oh, I got you, Jesus. I understand what you're saying. Nothing of the of that. I think Jesus is saying, born of, of, of the water, birth, born of the Spirit, the second birth, that's what you need to be, that, that's, that's born again. And it's all through, again, the New Testament. Um, you've purified your souls in obeying the truth of the Spirit, and it results in unfeigned love of the brethren, that you love one another with pure heart firmly. That's the result. Well, how do you get there? Being born again. Now, that's a spiritual birth. It's a second birth. It's the one that's absolutely mandatory for salvation. It's the one that you need this to go to heaven. It's your ticket to heaven. Spiritual birth. Everyone's born physically. Uh, to be born spiritually. I was talking with a Catholic apologist. I've had an interesting <laughs> pedigree uh, who they sick this Catholic apologist on me, try to bring me back into the fold. And he was saying, that's uh, that means born anew or born from above. And I'm thinking, yeah, and your point? Born anew from above again. I don't, I don't care how you say it. It's still another birth. It's not a physical birth. Everyone's born physically. I can tell you born physically by seeing you. Oh, you arrived. You must have been born. That won't get you anywhere. Uh, being born again, it's not some weird hybrid crazy thing that we're chasing. It's the very gospel of Jesus Christ. We're born again. How does this happen? Well, it's not of corruptible seed. But of incorruptible, what, what, what seed? Well, funny you should ask. A couple of weeks ago, we were in Matthew chapter 14. Maybe just last week. We're talking about the kingdom parable. And, well, I guess it was Matthew 13. In Matthew 13, the, the seven kingdom parables, the first of which is a soul went forth to sow seed. And Jesus specifically said, the seed is the word of God, which takes root in a person's life and it grows up and a hundredfold blessing. Uh, and he says, so specifically, and so you say, you're saying, well, the seed here, is that, well, this isn't Jesus, this is Paul. Is that the same thing? Well, let's see. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God. The seed is that word of God. It's incorruptible. It lives and abides forever. What does? Uh, the word of God. Now, Back in chapter 1, I mean, <laughs> back in verse 3, I mean, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. So this incorruptible in verse 23 and it's incorruptible in verse 4 is that the same thing yeah but they're speaking about different things but they're both incorruptible that which does not corrupt uh but in verse 4 it's talking about our our inheritance in in chapter uh, verse 23 it's talking about the word of god both of those are incorruptible our inheritance is incorruptible because it's in heaven it's not subject to rust nobody's going to steal it it's not going to be moth-eaten. It'll be fine. In heaven, things don't age. Things don't get old. They don't break. They don't... Uh, I, I said a couple weeks ago when we were talking about this, I'm glad it's in heaven. I'm glad I don't have it now. Because I know a lot of people would say, I'd like mine now, please. You'd use it up. It would be corruptible. It would be... You can't take it with you. Why do you want it here? You're only here for a little while. You're going to be there for a long time. I, the Christian church, the church of Jesus Christ, the real church, I don't know if we figured this out. A lot of people live like this is, all, a lot of Christian people live like this is all there is. No, we have an incorruptible inheritance and we got there because of the incorruptible seed. 
the incorruptible Word of God. The Word of God lives and abides forever. Everything, see, if we had that incorruptible inheritance here now, it wouldn't be incorruptible. Everything here is de- has an end date. Best if used before. If used before what? Great noise, fervent heat, and so and the elements are going to dissolve. So best if used before that. Everything we you know is earmarked for destruction. That new dress you bought, that new fancy car, that that <laughs> anything you buy, it's earmarked for destruction. What's not the word of God? It lives and abides forever. And he gives us an example of that. All flesh. It's it's like the grass. All the glory of man as the flower of grass. I'm looking on uh, my search engines, MSN, and you, you open it up and it'll have these different things they want to get you to, you know, click on. And one will say, uh, you'd laugh to see, and we'll have some 60s, 70s starlet, somebody who is beautiful, or allegedly so, back in the day. Well, now they're in their 80s. And I'm thinking... Not too many people get better looking from the time they were 30 to the time they're 80. They're looking better. Not too many people. Okay, let's just leave it at that, all right? Uh, I've said this, and I'm on record as saying this. uh, Women age like fine wine. Men age like milk. Because the truth of it is women age like fine wine, and men age like milk. And a lot of women, they get... They're, they're, they're prettier. They get more confident with themselves. They carry themselves better. And they get into a better place the older they get. Um, but when you're talking about living on this terrestrial ball 80 and 90 years, it takes its toll on everybody. Present company included. I am not 18 years old. There are things that I simply cannot do that I used to have no problem doing whatever. Why? Well, all flesh is as grass, and the glory of man is as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. We're all headed for a, 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 bat, a, a worse day physically. We're not, we're not getting stronger. We're not getting healthier. Oh, okay. If you're eight, you're getting stronger. You're getting healthier. Uh, but men, I think we peak out about 18, and uh, if you do the math, that was a long time ago with me, so this is what you're left with. It's uh, a shell of the former self, and Scripture says that. But this born again, it's, it's not of corruptible seed. It's the, the Word of God which lives and abides forever. So by it, you will live and abide forever in an incorruptible state with incorruptible inheritance. And that's the thing that I think Peter's trying to emphasize that, hey, look, everything's getting older. I mean, haven't you thought this out? Your flesh, your, your, your carne, your, your meat that's hanging on your bones, it's like grass. It's, it's all of the glory of man is like that. It's like the flower of grass. The grass withereth and the flower thereof falls away. That's what happens with grass. But the word of the Lord, and I told you that's from verse 23. That's what we're talking about all the time, that incorruptible seed. All through Scripture, that seed is the word of God. But the word of God endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. You know, the gospel, the one that's able to make you wise unto salvation, the one you're purified your souls in obeying, of verse 22, who you're believing, uh, uh, who by him do believe in God, that gospel that raised him up from the, from the dead, that gospel and gave him glory, that gospel that you have your faith and hope in. Um, that's the gospel he's talking about. That's the incorruptible seed which was planted in our hearts that gave us eternal life, that made us incorruptible, not in this present state. Whenever, whether he sends for us or whether he comes and collects us himself, by whatever, at some point we'll have that incorruptible body on, that mine will be 30-something. When you're 60, 30-something is really cool. I, you know, and, uh, and it won't get old, it won't get achy. You know, you should pray for Sue. She's got this bad back all of a sudden. She woke up with a couple of days ago. She might have pulled a muscle or something like that. And so when she gets out of bed or lays down or sits up or, or, or sits down, 
or rolls over or laughs or breathes or exists. She gets this shop and she's been going to the house trying to do all the things that she does and you know, and she's just kind of like, you know, and, and it, just getting it out of the vehicle and stuff is a, you, you should, you do well to pray for her. But what's that all about? That's not going to happen eternally. That's, that's one of those things that, you know, do, do they have chiropractors in heaven? I mean, chiropractors ostensibly get saved, but they're not open for business. They got dentists in heaven in case your teeth rot out eternally. No, not, no one like that. And this was the gospel that was preached unto you. Okay, let's look at a few more verses right through into verse 2. Wherefore, because of all this, wherefore, all these things that, what is the wherefore, therefore? Because of all these things that have gone before. Because of this, laying aside all malice, all guilt, all hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby, if so be that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. You know how you get to be the person God's called you to be? This holy book right here. It says, you know, unfeigned love of the brethren, that you love one another with a pure heart, fervently. You know how you get there? This this book. Has it happened to me? So I got saved and like everybody else, I didn't know an epistle from an apostle. I was as clueless as the next guy. And then this blessed book started speaking into my heart. The Spirit of God will do that through this book. This book is like no other book. I'm, I, I read a lot. Well, these days I listen to a lot. Um, and I have been, there's a lot of books that would move me to tears or move me emotionally. As a matter of fact, all the best books do. Uh, me and Sue's listen to I don't know if you discovered LibriVox. All the classics are on that. Um, we had uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin read to us through that. And I remember times of great rage and great uh, empathy, or even moved to tears. You know, as you follow the story of what's going on there. And I, you know, uh, we've read or listened to the 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 wit. Um, that is Mark Twain. You know, we heard uh, um, Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn, both great. Um, we, uh, you know, Dickens, this man Dickens is an absolute genius. Uh, Bleak House, Great Expectations. Um, just, I can't tell you all the things we've listened to together and uh, all the things that we've heard. And they move us. Um for better or for worse, they give us ideas and they help us develop and help us mature. You know, the and I think great literature does that. You know, this isn't great literature and this isn't Dickens. Okay, this isn't Mark Twain. This is God is the author and God can move you. He can take you by His word, this word that will never pass away, this word that's not getting old. He He can transport you from a, a miserable sinner. To a saint, he can he can speak into your lives the things like you were a selfish jerk, like I was a selfish jerk, and now you're very loving. Now you're all about others. How did that happen? The Spirit of God got hold of the Word of God in your life and started moving you towards the place that He wanted you to be. We lay aside all malice and guile. We're not hypocrites. We're not saying one thing and acting another. Envies, that's the thing of the past. Evil speakings, no, we're not those people anymore. We're like these newborn babes, desire sincere milk of the word. What do newborn babes desire? Only milk. <laughs> you got your baby crying at night, he's hungry. Or he's dirty, okay? Uh those are the, all his options. He's not thinking, oh, the Sox lost tonight. I'm really upset with that. They should have pulled uh, the starter in the, when he started getting uh, rocked in the fourth inning. They're not thinking about that. The only thing babies desire is milk. And he's saying, that's what I want you to be like. I want you to be like those newborn babies just after the milk. So what do I, what do I got to, you know, the milk mustache and drink milk all the time? He's not talking about that. He's talking about the milk of the word. Why? That ye may grow thereby. Show me somebody who's not mature in the Lord, and I'll show you somebody who just recently got saved or was not reading their Bible. One of those things. It's the only... If, you, if, if, if this 
word is, is you're all about this all the time, you're going to grow. You can't not. Um, I, I will say, just remember the one caveat we found in the book of uh, James, right? Um, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be hearer of the word, not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he is. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the, of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Now, so if, if, if you're meeting that one caveat, but you're bringing the word in because you're trying to grow thereby, will that happen? Yeah. What else will make you grow? I, I don't know. You know, hanging out with other Christians is a good thing. Giving to the Lord, of course, that's a good thing. Worship is a good thing. There's a lot of good, you know, sharing your faith. These are good things. And will they help your growth? I, I don't know, somewhat, maybe. But what you need, what you need, 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 is the sincere milk of the Word. I, people come and they say, well, you know, this, and this, this, this happened. I say, well, are you in the Word? Are you reading the Word? Oh, I knew you'd say that. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm never going to say, you know what you need? Uh, you need to binge watch uh, The Big Bang Theory, all nine seasons or whatever. That's going to put you right. You watch that and you all your spiritual problems will disappear. That's what you need. What, what do you expect me to say? Look, this is what happened. I, I, I was a numbskull. I knew nothing about nothing about nothing. Now I can teach the Word of God. What happened? The Word of God got in me, on me. I think in terms of like biblical... And by the way, while I'm talking about that, and this is my last point, don't let what's going on in the world right now, don't think in terms of like unbelievers think. We're inundated with the news. If you're a news junk and you're watching all that, you're liable to think like the world thinks. Don't. The reason we're not meeting as a church because... We're pro-life. Life is important. You're saying, well, the infection rates, well, the death rates, well, the... I understand. My thinking is one, death is too many. We're, we're Christians. We think, we think things differently. How many of the... Well, it's getting close to 30,000 last time I checked. How many of those 30,000 people died and went to heaven? I'd like to think all of them, but I know better. I know it's a broad way that leads to destruction. The ones that go to heaven, they're, they're the few. They're, the, they're, they're never the majority. I know that. I know that. So it is a tragic travesty of things that have happened. We, we have the Word of God. We think different. Everything we look at, we look at through the grid of the Word of God. We don't talk like other people. Um... Homosexuality hit America like a tidal wave. Not homosexuality, it's been with us forever. But the acceptance thereof, and suddenly, overnight, you either celebrated diversity, or you were a hater. Says who? I feel the same way about homosexuality that I've always felt. I feel the same way about homosexual, uh, homosexuals that I've always felt. Love the sin, sinner, hate the sin. Uh, I, I didn't change, but Christians change. Uh, a lot of Christians, you know, wet their finger, put it up to the wind, and, and then they determine, well, that's how I'm going to be. Wait a second. What? The Word of God. That's how you grow thereby. And if you're not putting this Word in, what are you putting in? You're putting in everything the world has to offer. And that is shaping you, and that's making you into somebody who's it's not what you're supposed to be. This this milk, this word here, will will help you grow. It'll help you be what Jesus Christ wants you to become. If so be uh, that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. That's one more point. This is my last point. Okay, this is the last verse. If so be. Now I've said before in the past, and maybe you remember this, maybe you didn't. 
there's three class conditions of if in the Greek. If and it is, if and it isn't, and if, like we would say if, like if and then. If you bought opening tickets, uh, uh, if you bought tickets to opening day, then you were sadly disappointed. You know, you know what I mean? There's an if and, 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 and if, conditional. And there's an if and it isn't, like if I were a rich man. I'm not a rich man, you know what I mean? And then there's an if and it is. You know, and this is if and it is. And it would be better rendered since. Since you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. If you read this book, this sacred book, this sacred text, come down from heaven, delivered to us. If you read this, you know what you're going to find out? You're going to find out that the Lord is gracious. He's, in a word, kind. You know, the many times in the Old Testament, come taste and see that the Lord is good. It's a, It's something you have to taste to taste. You have to, the proof of the pudding is in the eating thereof. Sometimes you just have to experience it to experience it. How do I, how do I know, Lord? How do I feel God's presence? How do I know that He's good? How do I know that He loves me? How do I build my faith? How do I, how do I build purity in my life? How do I live the life that God wants me to live? How do I have the marriage God wants me to, to have? Well, Here's where you start. Here's where you end. And the middle part, it's all right here. You, you want to desire this like babies desire milk. It says it all to me. Let's pray. Our good God, we thank and praise you for our time in this glorious book. It's only been helpful for every last venue, every last area of my life. I thank and praise you that you've given it to us. Help us to desire it. Spirit of God, light a fire under us. Not have to get to. Not, not some religious discipline like just get to a place where you're speaking into our lives and we're enjoying, we're tasting, we're seeing that you're, you're gracious and you're kind and we understand who you are and all the things that the, the world, all the things they say about you as they try to defame you, we understand those things aren't true at all. Help us, Lord, through your word, get to the place you've called us to be. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. See you tonight. It is our desire to get God's word out to all, so our podcasts and everything else downloaded from our website is free. But we do have expenses, and if you feel led to give a dollar for this resource, please go ahead and click the Give tab on our website at plowboyministries.org. Grace and peace. And everything I want out dear, I count it all as lost. Lead me to the cross where your love.